Warning, the Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. It's simple, really. You either want to grow in virtue and holiness, or you want to be a sissy whiny baby. If you choose to move forward, grab your whiskey glass, because the Catholic Man Show is starting right now. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show, and Happy New Year! Happy New Year! I'm Adam Inhan, sitting here with David Niles. Juan on the buttons, he just had an espresso, as did David. I did too. So we'll see how that goes this evening. Yeah. Coffee doesn't have like a big... Uh, I'm a, effect on I'm, you? I'm, I'm a... I consume a lot of it, so... So it's minimal. Yeah, my tolerance... My it's caffeine, high. my caffeine tolerance is high. I understand. Yeah, we have Jim here today. He already has helped us out. We started the episode once. I said the same jokes already. Yeah, the Happy New Year's, the but espresso. We did, but we didn't make it this far. Like we this, we've already made it further than what we did for round one. Right. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, new liturgical year entering the in the season of Advent. Mm-hmm. Last week we had a great episode with. Uh, Dr. Malosh on yep. the uh, incarnation. I almost said reincarnation. <laughs> that would have been not the same yeah, thing. Yeah, so wait. Um, when Jesus okay. comes back, <laughs> um, will so, that be the reincarnation? No, I, no, mean, I don't not. think so. It's not. Um, Unless he takes like a new body. But he, he would I don't think. Not. I don't think he's going to do that. No. Uh, so we had a, a good conversation with Dr. Malosh uh, talking about the incarnation. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, the Council of Trent's the Catechism of the Council of Trent, what it says on three things to avoid as a parent. Really looking forward to it. F- the Catechism of the Council of Trent is phenomenal. It's a great, it's, it's a great little it's uh, do- one, doodad. Th- so I, bl- well, hold on, I'll get into we, that. We won't talk about it now. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying, it, it's great. I'm foreshadowing is what I'm doing. Well played, well yeah. played. Uh, so tonight we're going to, we're going to drink a, a bourbon. It is a, it's called Rabbit Hole. It's a straight uh, bourbon whiskey finished in sherry casks. Uh, uh, it's you... finished. It's actually double finished. Double uh, finished. I was reading Correct. it. So it's uh, twice finished in new toasted and charred American oak barrels and Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. Never chill filtered as it should be. Never is in all caps. So they're really pushing that. They're really, you know, one thing as a man that I do respect is when people have strong opinions. I actually like, not not necessarily strong opinions, but um, strong convictions. When one is convicted of a certain of a certain thing about the this is the way something should be, mm-hmm. um, because it means that you've thought about it. You have, you know, if, if you have strong convictions, it means that you know enough about the topic to have like an opinion. You've weighed both sides and you've come to the conclusion. More so than just like, a, oh, I watch the news and so I have an opinion on something that I don't really know about. Correct. Why don't you pour that? I'll, okay. I'll read the tasting notes. So the tasting notes says the nose is a sherry with traces of caramel and cherry. The palate is raisins, uh, cherries, and a hint of almond and vanilla. And the finish is light with a touch of dryness. Now, this bourbon is interesting because the owner, they call it Rabbit Hole because he, he was originally a scotch drinker. He was originally more of a scotch guy than a bourbon guy. But he started drinking a little bit of bourbon, and I guess he and his wife decided to go ahead and 
try to be a little creative and innovative in the bourbon world. And so he went down, quote unquote, the rabbit hole of okay. bourbon. Okay. And this one, because it's the, sher- the sherry casks, uh, he says, which I can also appreciate, he says, this bourbon is inspired by the founder's wife, a Louisiana native, uh, I'm sorry, Louisville native, who helped him fall mm. in love yeah, with... Different, the, different yeah, place. Correct. Who helped him fall in love with bourbon and pulled him down the rabbit hole. He may have never gone down alone. So, I appreciate whenever you give your wife a shout out in, yeah. in work. So, and In fact, I'd like to go ahead and dedicate this, this, this episode, episode to Lady Pamela... You're the most beautiful woman I know, and I love you. Well played. Yeah. We're on the Lord's team? The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. By the way, for all of our listeners, if you want to get that great sound, let's do it one more time. When you cheers, just make sure you hold your Glencairn glass at the, the base. The proper way. Yeah, because they say it's all about the base, mm-hmm. and I think this is what they meant. That when you cheers... With the, with the Catholic man show, With the Catholic man show, Glencairn. I think that's what that song is talking about mm-hmm. i could be misinterpreting but and if you're interested that's how you do it in this drinking vessel this whiskey vessel you can go to patreon.com slash the catholic man show anybody ten dollars or above a month we we send out a catholic man show Karen glass as a thank you gift as a thank you gift just to thank you just appreciate for supporting for us. your support what did you think did you try it? I, i'm still i'm still um it's very heavy on the aromat- the rate um, or aromizing it's very heavy on the... Uh, I just made that up. It's a word. Yeah. The the raisins and cherry. Yeah. The yeah, sh- like the kind, sher- of, the kind sher- of a syrup fla- the, syrup. The smell. sherry is very strong. What, yeah. did you, what did you think, Jim? It's yummy. It's yum- yummy. Jim says it's yummy. Yummy. You know Those what? Are his I was telling notes. Jim, I do actually like... Descri- I do like yummy as a descriptor for whiskey. It just is like, mmm, that is yummy. I do not like that. Yummy, yummy. Wow, it is very sweet. <laughs> It is a very sweet it's, whiskey. It's, it smells very sweet. Uh, the end is very nice, though, because it has a little bit of a aggression. It's a longer finish at the end. What is this ABV? It's uh, so 46.5 ABV, mm. uh, 93 proof. But it is, I, uh, the very beginning huh. is, is very sweet. It has like an interesting viscosity. Mm. You know, uh, like the texture of the of the liquid itself mm-hmm. is kind of nice. I don't know if it like maybe feels uh, oily. Heavier, I was going to say. Like it's a... So, t- it's more oily Not that it, it's not thick, but it just feels heavy. Not thicker. It's interesting. Hmm. By the way, if uh, you're in, uh, wondering, if you're one of our new listeners on the radio, on a, on a radio station or picking it up on a podcast and you're wondering, why are these guys drinking... If you Google Catholic Answers Focus... Then mind your own business. <laughs> Catholic <laughs> Answers Focus uh, and Drinking. You, we did a whole episode with Cy Kellett, the host of Catholic Answers Live, on King Christian's Drink. And that kind of yeah, basically I think gives, he called it the theology of drinking. Is that right? Did he call it that? Uh, maybe. Well, sure. maybe he didn't. I've heard people talk about the theology of drinking, and I just like want to throw this out there. I don't think that there is a theology of drinking. I don't think that it's like drinking in order to study god no it's I more just, it's, i just i hear people more, say that uh, sometimes I, I would say it's more under the uh study of, of virtue yes i agree i would yeah so virtuology is there a word for that no we should make one 
I like that. Yeah, we, we should, should invent we should one. Definitely, we should definitely. Be. Speaking of which, uh, speaking of Catholic answers, so here's the deal, guys. We have now confirmed with Carla Broussard. Carla Broussard is going to be coming on the show the end of December at some point. But what he's going to do is he's he's preparing right now a eight uh, course for our patrons on the five proofs of the existence of God by Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas. And he's going to be going through twice a week with us this course on the existence of God, the, the five ways by St. Thomas Aquinas. And he's going to basically give the lecture, and Dave and I are going to kind of give our, hey, Carlo, can you dumb it down a little bit, or I don't understand this, or our two cents of I'm yeah. not sure what you're saying here. Is this the right application? And so he's going to do that with us, and then at the end, for about 30, 45 minutes, we will open it up for a live Q&A. Right. Yeah, so if you're one of our Patreon members, this will be available to you. And if you're thinking like, oh, this might be over your head, don't worry, because at this moment, I cannot even tell you what the five ways are. I could not even name them. I've, I've seen them all before, but I get some of them confused with some of the others, because just like when you skim over them, some of them, you think, wait, isn't that the same? Right. So, like, we're going to be approaching this from a reg- from a regular person's standpoint. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm really excited so about I, it. I am, too, because at the end of it, I hope to know, all, like, all have, a, have a general grasp of the five ways. And Carlo Broussard is a great teacher. I, I th- Every time we have him on the show, yeah. he's he, he's phenomenal. Uh, we really enjoyed having him on for our, our couples retreat we did this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really that was a really great retreat. Um, so if you if you are actually looking to have a couples retreat, Carlo uh, now has put together uh, a couples retreat that I think is unique mm-hmm. um, because he approached the subject of marriage like he approaches most things uh, from the viewpoint of Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know, optimistic. Yeah, so he he wouldn't call himself a Thomist. I think like he has like a benchmark or uh, you know a certain level that you have to reach. To me, I would call him a Thomist because he, he is that's he's a, he strives. He's a, a follower of the Thomistic way. He's a student yeah. of Saint Thomas. Aquinas. If he's not a Thomist, he's Thomistic. Okay, correct. So anyway, it's a it was a really great couples retreat. So um, if you're looking for that, hit him up because yeah. it, it, it's something that I think only he has. Yeah, that he did. So it was, it was really good. So anyway, we're really excited about this because, again, he's going to be doing this specifically for us. It's not going to be uh, available anywhere else. We're paying him thanks to our supporters on, on Patreon. And anybody yeah. who's $10 or, or more a month is going to have uh, access to this. And even if you can't be on the live, of it, the live video, you'll be able to go back and listen to it and have uh, listen to the Q&As and, and have it as a resource. So it's gonna be good. It's gonna be awesome. I got my Christmas lights up today. I did too. So did you? Hey, uh, I did not get as many up though. I uh, I wanted to do like do I, a little bit more this year than in the in in the past, and I needed more lights. I went to Lowe's. They're sold out. Yeah, you have to play the early I mean, game. It's like so you, you have to do one or two things. You either have to get really early, or you have to play the next year game and buy all of the. I'm gonna uh, clo- like, the closeout sales. I, it's like I just said, fine. I'll just pay less for them on Amazon and have them shipped here by Tuesday. If you if you wait and hold out till after Christmas, no, I want to put them up this year. Well, yeah, I understand. People have been getting rambunctious about 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 the, the about putting up stuff. They were that way for Halloween. Christmas is was like. Months before Thanksgiving, that's yeah. Christmas lights. Ridiculous people. Yeah. Anyway, right. we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Juan Posada, and Jim Spencer. This segment brought to you by the Catholic Woodworker. Promo code TCMS for 10% off on all purchases website-wide, site-wide. We were the uh, highest affiliate in uh I tell you uh, what, Catholic the Catholic Man Show listening crowd loves the Catholic Woodworker. Yep. And I, with I'm good reason. With good reason. You know what? I was a big fan of the Catholic Woodworker bef- way before he decided to sponsor our show or anything like that. Oh yeah. Uh, I had a, a lot. I of we his, had him on the show a long time ago. We had him on the show a long time ago. I had a lot of. His, I had his uh, home altar. I have it, had his rosaries. Yeah. Uh, and those are always the sweetest matchups when it comes to sponsorships. Is when I already like have bought in to that person or that or that company totally. Totally. and they wanted to sponsor it. so anyway let's keep that ball rolling let's and you know like advent is here it is advent it is advent christmas is in less than four weeks mm-hmm. i don't know is it in less than four weeks it's, it's in roughly four weeks right so now's you the know, time like, to, to get your christmas presents you know don't let latare sunday roll around and then it, my mom calls that panic sunday because <laughs> that's good yeah like i like that ah! yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I don't have any Christmas presents. So, but when you get married, it's like, I don't know how it is at your house, dude. But oh, Haley I, takes care of almost right, everything. Every, every, I have one Christmas present to buy. And it's to your wife? Yeah. I mean, essentially. That's, that's not true. I buy, like, your present. Right. Juan's present. I buy Jim's present. Yeah. But anyway, uh, CatholicWoodworker.com. Go check them out. Let's keep that ball rolling. Support uh, Jonathan and uh, his family. Yeah. I love supporting them. Okay, so TCMS TCMS ten percent off all of your purchases. That that way he knows we sent you as well. So that's that's a bonus. So anyway, uh, today we've been drinking a little bit of rabbit hole um, bourbon, and we're going to talk about three yeah, it's things. Good. How much was this? How much? We didn't say. Oh, it it was about uh, sixty five bucks. This is a little bit on the expensive okay, side of so, the bourbon. You know, for a scotch, that wouldn't be that bad. For a bourbon, it is. You know, a that's, little bit that's on the a sp- higher end. Mm-hmm. Not. I mean, you can spend a although, lot of money on a bourbon. Although I've had uh, scotches that are more than sixty-five bucks that haven't been as good as this bourbon. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so we've been drinking a little bit of that. We're going to talk about three things to avoid as a parent, according to the Catechism of the Council of Trent today. But in the next segment, we're in the next start segment, yes. But today, instead of a gear, we're going to have a, another call to action. I've been on a call to action kick recently. Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, but it's just kind of. It's so just, like, just what's on your mind. It's huh? a, yeah, it's just what, what's on my mind, and I don't like to try to force things if it's not what I want. I do. I force it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if I don't, if I don't want to talk about it, then then that's that's not what I do. So anyway, yeah. so this year yeah. we're gonna do this. By the we're, way, we're we're, doing we're this. totally in on this. Yeah, we have a a text thread already going around. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna have we're gonna. I mean, we may or may not be doing it. We don't want to like blow the surprise. Well, it's okay. I'm just saying we may or may not mm-hmm. be doing this. We're gonna start. We're gonna carol. Maybe we're gonna Christmas carol this year. Dave and I, when we were growing up, our families caroled. Yeah, uh, we our, our our families got together. We practiced a couple Christmas songs, mm-hmm. and then we went around our neighborhood and caroled. And I yeah. think, like, I have not since I've been an adult and owned my own home or rented a home. I've never been caroled to. Have you? No. No. I mean, I, I don't even know if anybody still still does that around here. I'm pretty sure they don't. Like, I'm pretty sure there you could be ill-received 
in certain I, I, uh, like i definitely think you could you be. know like get up hey uh get off my yard please right you know i definitely think we, I, I definitely think we need to be prepared for that to happen so here's but here's what we're gonna I do i tell you what if we're caroling and the cops show up that will be like the best story i'm i'm that yeah. would be hilarious that would be hilarious Someone called the co- like your singing was so bad that they the called the cops, cops on you, you. Mm-hmm. so what we're gonna do is we are we, we're gonna pick a couple Christmas carols that we're going to learn as if uh, as a group. Yeah. And Haley's already started lear- teaching the kids. Like, yeah, it's really the kids who need to know them. I mean, probably right. adults know right. the Christmas songs. And, and so then we're all going to get together, you know, probably what, a week before Christmas or two weeks before Christmas. Well, I don't know. Some, sometime soon. We haven't solidified the date yet. Yeah. And, and go Christmas caroling. And here's what I think it does. I can remember as a kid... Christmas caroling and just it, it it bringing joy and anticipation to it, sharing the the joy and anticipation of Christmas together. It just built up the uh, the joys of Christmas. And so I, I looked it up on uh, Wikipedia because that's where everybody looks up things to know to know things. Right uh, on the origins of of caroling and what used to happen is when it got cold outside, people would give would go around to each other's houses, neighbors, and to just give them good tidings like you know like re-encouragement of kind of like uh, checking on them as well yeah, kind of like we're getting through the cold months and it wasn't even necessarily caroling like they weren't singing but they were just wishing each other um well during during the the colder months which is you know it's uh, the vir- you know it's a virtue it's a virtuous act hospitality and yeah. you know mm-hmm. um and then saint francis of assisi is the one who got who made it mainstream to sing caroling really uh, yeah he he he, he did he, not know that he promoted people to uh, start singing and and be joyful about the the christmas time the, and the italians Adventine. they do like to sing they do like to sing and so anyway i thought it was like I, I thought it was a good tradition for advent i think we struggle sometimes you can have the advent wreath you can have the advent candles you light the, the candle before uh, dinner every night or something like that you're but as a family, it's sometimes hard to come up with traditions mm-hmm. uh, to build up for Christmas and to actually live out the liturgical season of Advent Right. Uh, as a family. Yeah, and I think as an adult, like if you think, hey, this is a great idea, we should do this, you should just be prepared that caroling in reality is far less romantic than it is conceptually. You know, like mm-hmm. you think about the idea, oh, let's go Christmas caroling. That sounds awesome. Like... A very traditional, like romanticized mm-hmm. in my head. One needs to be prepared for a drastically different reality. And I think it's something that needs to be approached as like a work of mercy, like almost a kind of a corporal work of mercy. You know, you are going, doing this for other people, you know. Right. Some things you do because you personally enjoy them, like they help you... They help your holiday, kind of, you know, like mm-hmm. decorating the Christmas tree. You know, there's a lot of things you do to help get yourself into the season. And maybe Christmas caroling will do that for you, but I would, well, I am expecting it to be more helping other people get into the season, right? And actually being a, a frustration on myself, you right, know. Because it's going to be cold. It's going to be hard to walk around with the little kids. How long do we stand outside singing in front of this house before we, when no one comes to the door, before you go on to the next, you know, like right. to another house? It's going to be awkward at times, I'm sure. There'll be some learning curves. And we'll, we may even, uh, we should do it before 
Advent ends and give an update uh, on the show to say like okay. here's here's kind of the things that worked and things that did not work. Yeah. Um, but but I think it's important also to this is part of like the living liturgical like and, and, and passing down traditions to your to your children yeah. on and not only that but uh, being an evangelization tool. So when you were looking this up, is Christmas caroling a Christmas thing or an Advent thing? Well, they, did it say it? Uh, most of the time, whenever you look things up like this, there's no distinction between Christmas and Advent. I know. Uh, so it did not make the distinction between Christmas yeah. and Advent. So that would be the. Uh, they, would, that, they did that, not say. I'm sure there's like this is like Catholic uh, things that you know that bother you. What do you call those? When you something about pet peeves, Catholic mm-hmm. pet peeve. You know, people were wishing everyone Merry Christmas in Advent. It's like no. Actually, yeah, and it's not Christmas listen, yet. I know that I'm going to get a lot of backlash for that, but I, but I, I don't like that. Like, there's times where I wish people, uh, hey, have a, a happy Fourth of July weekend. Have a, uh, I hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving yet, so it's not like you know, it's well, like, well, yeah, yeah, but and so if I say, if hey, it's if it's like uh, two wish you guys days, a Merry Christmas. If it's two days before Christmas, and this is the last time you're going to see the, like this coworker. Before Christmas, obviously, I'm just not like, a stickler like other people are. But I'm just but not. people people will start saying, you know, Merry Christmas, like here in another week. Sure, you know, and they don't. The thing is, they don't mean. I hope that you have a Merry Christmas when mm-hmm. Christmas arrives. They think it's Christmas now. Mm-hmm. You know, like Christmas right. season has begun. It hasn't. Right. And I, I understand. I, I yeah. get all that. But, but you know, just we want to if we can correct the mistake mm-hmm. in people but it's uh it's just not gonna happen yeah so i i'm really so so here's how here's what i think about uh the the, the song choices for caroling and i haven't talked to you about this yet so i was gonna to, ask you i was gonna feel, ask you about song feel, choices feel free to, to okay. correct me okay i think that you go with uh I, because i also don't think that you sing too long in front of a house because at some point it's like listen yeah, i think three songs uh, I, I think two like two to three yeah um and so I think you you do one traditional Christmas carol like a, a Silent Night, or, or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, a fun one for the kids, like a um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Jingle Bells okay. or something like that. For and that's more for the kids because they all get excited about those type of songs and it's it's more jovial than somber. Okay. Uh, and then the uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas at the end. Okay. That's that's kind of what I envision, mm-hmm. and I haven't ta- we haven't talked about this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean it, it is it is tough. Uh, there are so few Advent songs. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, oh, come, oh, oh, come, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Right, exactly. And I'm sure everybody sang that in mass today. I'm sure mm-hmm. every parish in the world or in the English speaking world saying that because it's, it's really one of the only ones. Silent Night, kind of, but not mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so it is we wish you a Merry Christmas like that's kind of good because we can you're not saying Merry Christmas like we wish you a Merry Christmas when it comes yeah so it does this kind of thing it just bothers me I know anyway I think it'd be fun and it'd be fun for your kids it's gonna be fun so consider doing it it's gonna be fun whether we whether it is or not it's gonna be fun we're gonna have fun we'll be right back
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. We're going to talk about three things to avoid as a parent, according to the Catechism of the Council of Trent. Before we do that, I think it's important to talk about parenthood a little bit in general. Okay. Uh, you know, parenthood is such a refining process of the of the human of the, of man and woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a sanctification process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a saint making process. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it very often. Oh, it definitely feels like it's a sanctification process for me. Oh no no no! For me, it feels quite the opposite. Like. When I'm getting angry well, it, and frustrated, I don't feel sanctified in the moment. Like oh, when well, I when I go to is, confession, what is the sanctification process. Is when I go to confession, car- carrying the cross. When I go to adoration, I can like feel. Oh, okay. you know what, what I mean. Saying. Like those feel like sanctifying moments in my life. Mm-hmm. But the everyday the day, moment, the day to day, it doesn't feel sanctifying in the moment. It, it, it feels it feels enraging. Right. You know, like, but it is. Because it's it, it's when you learn to harness the rage, like <laughs> suppress, suppress. <laughs> when you learn to bottle it up. <laughs> well, see, so, so, but but that is an interesting point because uh, it it does refine you and it also makes you aware of who you are. I did not, uh, I was not aware of certain things that I struggled with as a person until I became a parent. Yeah. I before a parent, I was always like, yeah, I'm generous. I'm generous with my time. Mm-hmm. You know, I am. I, I I rarely get angry. I'm, I'm yeah. I, I can't even remember the last time I got angry, mm-hmm. uh, or lost my patience, or you know, right. like you know, I thought that yeah, you know, I'm the same way. I, I I'm like so easygoing. Right. I it's never like, get angry. But uh, parenting and, and, until like one of my kids won't eat their dinner. <laughs> <laughs> eat your food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it is. Does that drive you crazy? There are always I little ticks. I don't know why mm-hmm. it ma- it it makes me nuts. Mm-hmm. Like when the kids won't eat their food, mm-hmm. just eat your food. <laughs> so I think it's important. We've said this on the show before, but I think it's very important to to re say that as a uh, married man, your your vocation is to your wife. Your first your first mm-hmm. vocation is to your wife, and the best thing you can give your children is to love your wife. Uh, your sons are going to know how to love a woman by how you treat your wife mm-hmm. and love your wife and your your daughters are going to learn how to be treated by a man by how you treat your wife so it's important the the best thing you can do for your children is to love your wife word and then um and then so then then it comes into okay after you're fu- you're in the process of fulfilling your first vocation your, your children can never come before your wife correct but okay so now that now that we've established that how do we fulfill our secondary vocation as uh as fathers mm-hmm. and because your kids are they they're a lot needier you know well, yeah absolutely yeah they they're not as high in the priority but they still have they have all these they, needs they have, yeah you know things that you have to do right so you, you spend a lot of time on them sure so in the catechism of the council of trent catechism of the council of trent if you don't have one you should definitely go pick it up if you uh, are listening and your husband does not have one you should definitely get it for, Ooh, for great, christmas great christmas gift because it's so beautiful like it's, who who uh who's the publisher of this the bear uh what is it the bear uh baroness baronius baronius press they always make all the the beautiful books okay I'm not as they familiar have, with them. They but have all these. This is yeah, like the printing of this is really elegant. With mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful book, and it's. I'm glad that they did this because it's a book worthy of this kind of sure 
Because it's it's actually Printing. one, as far as I understand, I'm very willing to be corrected and feel free to correct me uh, on our social media or whatever, but I think that it's one of only three official catechisms uh, of the church. Really? Yeah, it's the first one, the Catechism of the Council of Trent. Uh, Saint Pope, Pi- Pope Saint Pius X came out with one that was very small, uh, very almost like the uh, Baltimore Catechism. But, but was the Baltimore Catechism was not an official uh, catechism. It's not, yeah, a world. It's not the official. That ca- was just like for the US. diocese of Baltimore. It was, and yeah, and for the U.S. Right. Um, and then, um, if, it's, if it wasn't for the diocese of Baltimore, I don't know why they called it the Baltimore. I mean, maybe that's just where it was from. Uh, that was, or, yeah, and then, and then, uh, po- uh, uh, Pope Saint John Paul II, right, uh, came out with uh, you know our current what we know catechism, now the catechism, the catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah, but so the Catechism of the Council of Trent. So it came from the obviously the Council of Trent. It was a the council was a long council. Like you talk about, uh, this would not pass for today's in today's world standards because it was o- almost twenty years. I think it was like eighteen years long. The, no the, kidding. the council was wow over like three different uh, three or four different popes reigned during the time uh, of the council wow you know uh it was when uh, was it like uh, 1300s it, well, no it's 1500s right it was the reason why it was called was to uh um protestantism for, yeah to, to refute the the protestant heresy mm-hmm. and so um it was very interesting though because like in theory it was you know all of the 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 bishops worldwide but in in practice it was really basically just the italian bishops uh, gathered because it was very hard to commute during that time obviously sure so what they did though is they after the council they said like we're going to make a catechism and it sums up all of the council and it's actually really awesome because the ca- it, it, it's broken down into the creed, and then uh, the creed, the Ten Commandments, and the Our Father, and it breaks it down into. Uh, and each our current segment. catechism is broken down in a similar way. I know it starts off way. with the creed, and then I think it does the Ten Commandments after that. Yeah, and it, but it's really it's it, it's really awesome because it's uh, it's very articulate it's very succinct yeah it's very precise that's what i love about it is that they don't they don't pull any punches Mm -mm. you know and that they say what needs to be said about that that topic you know and they say not only what one should avoid but what one should do Mm -hmm. you know they they it is just so specific Mm -hmm. it's so precise like you said laser precision yeah so in the in the part of the 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 fourth commandment in that section it talks about uh, duties of parents towards children and then one of the sections talks about three things to be avoided by parents and i thought this would be a good topic for for tonight and so we'll we'll kind of break these down Uh, the first one is uh, the first place it says they're not to uh by words or actions to exercise too harsh uh, harshness towards their children um, it, it says th- th- this is an instruction by Paul. They're pulling it from that from Colossians. It says, "Fathers, uh, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged." And then I think the next uh, the next sentence is very important. It says, "For there is a danger that the spirit of the child may be broken, and he becomes object uh, and fearful of everything." Yeah. And I think you can see that when you're when you're disciplining your children, if you discipline them in anger, if you right. discipline them in public. You know, so what is the purpose of disciplining your children? You know, it, it, you're you're exercising the virtue of justice. You know, you're exercising uh, your the father the virtue of your fatherhood by by establishing your children to be right. good Christian civil people. Mm-hmm. And but you're not 
you're not um, doing that to humiliate them. You're not doing that because you're angry right. with them. And I think that that's in, in displaying yeah, your children. Yeah, certainly not because you're angry with them. Right, and displaying your children, it's very hard, I think, to... As a man, you have to be in control of your appetites, of your emotions, right. in order to discipline your children. I mean, yeah, you might do it to humiliate them. I mean, I, I, there I is, it's it, possible I, where there's a scenario where that would be part of the re, you know, retributive justice that you feel like your child needs, depending on the age and what they've done. I mean, I'm, so that is theoretically possible. You know, you might seek to I, embarrass I, I, them. And I would probably push back on that and say is that uh i don't know the like, best way of using were they, it were they bullying another kid you know like it depends on, it depends on what the punishment sure. should fit the crime so but certainly you're not doing it because you're angry right you so, know I, it, it should always come from a place of love one thing that has helped me a lot in uh administering punishment is to pause because there is certain, there's absolutely, I mean, every, everybody knows, every parent knows this, a temptation to, in the moment, you see them do something. To jerk them and, up. Right. And, and it's like, I'm going to get you for that. Right. You know? Um, and just to, like, pause. Mm-hmm. Uh, even just, so what helps me is just taking them and then walking with them into the, into the next room. You know, where you just have a second. Mm-hmm. To gather yourself. Bet- yeah, between their, you know, misconduct and your disciplining mm-hmm. um that has that, for me that makes a a big a, a big difference in my approach you know in my demeanor mm-hmm. when i sit down with them yeah i think that it's important also to to not um it, at least for me in, in my experience in parenting i try not i try my best not to uh, discipline my children in public and the reason why is yeah. because I'm not interested necessarily in. I, I don't want them to feel belittled. I don't want them to feel. Uh, I don't want them to to be embarrassed necessarily. The reason why I am I am disciplining my children isn't to make them feel embarrassed. It is for them to learn a lesson and, and to grow in virtue. Yeah. And the reason why a lot of times that I try to avoid also in public is because typically it's that moment that I catch them. That I want to do it in public, and my emotions aren't where it needs to be before I before I justly discipline my children. Right, and so I think it's important that you 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 don't do it in public because that way you they know that listen I'm I'm doing this at an just act and I'm not my emotions yeah. aren't high and I'm you have to first have your appetites and your emotions in check mm-hmm. in order to discipline your children and show that example like if they know that you're doing it in rage then they're going to be like like it says in here uh fearful of everything they're going to be worried that they're going everything right. that they do is going to be wrong and that's not what i'm that i don't want them living in fear i don't yeah. want my children living in fear or or or, or being br- just completely broken where they're not willing to take uh, you know take a stand on something right in fear of dad's going to be upset right yeah so if you're like doing something just with the hope of making them afraid right then now I, like that's a sign that uh, you are disordered right, in the because, way that you're disciplined because as fathers we're supposed to be the earthly father to show them the love of the heavenly father we're, right you know we want us to facilitate and show them the love of our heavenly father and so yeah. that's not going to be proactive and, and, and productive in in that aspect so yeah. when we get back we'll, we'll jump into the last two here uh, we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. 
We're talking about Council of Trent being a parent. Mm-hmm. We were just uh, on the other side of the break talking about discipline. Discipline, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think the ideal, like, what's the ideal discipline or the ideal, like, attitude that we can encourage in our children? I think that when, you know, they do something wrong, you sit down with them and kind of get on, you know, take them, get on to them, that they should agree that they deserve the punishment that you've given them. I mean, that's... Or, or at least understand why they're why it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's not going to be the case. Why, that's, why are you getting in trouble? Because I did this. Right. Okay, I'm glad you understand this is why you're getting exactly. in trouble. Exactly. I mean, so hopefully, and I think when they're young, they're not going to necessarily have that sense of, sure. I deserve this punishment right. that, that, uh, that has been given to me. But hopefully... Hopefully they get there because that that shows that they are developing a sense of virtue, mm-hmm. um, not just virtues, but a sense of virtues. Right. Um, and it, you know, it's great if your kids learn math and science, um, but math and science will not get them to heaven. Right. So I would rather have children who are fools, who are virtuous, than children who are brilliant, who who lack virtue. And that'll that'll bleed into the last the last uh, thing that we talk about. But so uh, we'll, we'll we'll move on to the second part unless you want to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but I just to sum up for that. Also, I think that it's important to uh, understand that you're not just any kind of physical uh, punishment, but verbal punishment is is something that we have to be aware of, mm-hmm. and the the words that we say to our children um, have lasting effects. And again. Yeah. Uh, we are should never to, name. You should never name call. Right or, or like belittle. Like you, we should not belittle our children. Uh-huh. We're, we're we're called as fathers to build them up, and we want to be a representation of the, our heavenly Father who loves us very much. Now the, there are some exceptions, like name calling. It's not actually an exception because you're not name calling. Sometimes you'll tell your child you're being a tattletale. Right. You know that's not name calling your kid tattletale. Right. Tattletale. I mean, no. You, they are right. being a tattletale, right. and so you're just so. There's a difference between name calling and something like that, where you know what I mean, right? Do yeah. you think? Do you think so? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the next one is, is is the opposite side of the coin. It says, should a fault be committed which requires reproof and chastisement, the parent should not, on the other hand, by undue indiv- uh, indulgence, overlook its correction. And I think that this one is actually one of the main ones that is. Uh, lacking in today's world is that we because and the reason why is because it's hard it's hard to do and yeah. it takes effort as parents mm-hmm. we overlook oh well you know Johnny don't do this oh well he did it well you um, know well, it's okay I told you know, him not to I told to. him you know or it, it's not convenient for me he's, he's just strong willed right or he's he's just uh, you know he's still young or you know whatever mm-hmm. the question you know I, strong people when they say oh my kid is just strong willed it's like no you're weak willed Right. Like that's and maybe maybe that's unfair of me to say, but I have never met a child whose will is stronger than mine. Hmm. You know, like well, and it talks about how it, this is how children are often spoiled by by parents who are not willing to correct their children. Mm-hmm. And so I think that also this is something that we learned from uh, Dr. Ray Gurindi who we had on not, you know, maybe a year ago or so and he talked about like men, you do not let your wife 
uh, be in the trenches by themselves when it comes to discipline. You right. get in there and you take con- you take control of the disciplinary actions within your household. Mm-hmm. Do not let your wife not do not be good old fun dad. Do not let right. you, know, you know don't don't be the guy who's like, well, my wife will take care of that. You know, like oh, I'm, look, I'm the fun one. Okay, right. yeah, no, 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 it's a good cop, bad cop. I'm the good cop. I'm the good cop. No, no, absolutely not. You do not let your wife uh, have to do that alone. That that is unjust to your wife, and it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning that your first vocation is to your wife and so by uh, making her do that on her own you are not fulfilling your your duty to your wife in the vocation to your wife first and foremost and so uh, anyway i think it's very important that uh that we understand that we're not going we should not as men allow our wives to be the only ones disciplining our children yeah that's one thing I've enjoyed about working from home this year, uh, you know, since March anyway, is that being at home every now and then there's like a, the kids kind of like uh, all start falling apart at once, you know, which mm-hmm. kind of happens every now and then, mm-hmm. you know, they're all operating on their own cycle of happiness and, you know, like tiredness. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes they all get tired at once and like I can hear it from downstairs and mm-hmm. so I'll, you know, go upstairs and get to be the one who comes in. Because I, I the kids treat me differently than they do mom. Um, like when I, they know that when I tell them something, that I mean it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think that I actually pick my battles. I, I just win them. I just win back, like... And because I'm I'm the father. Well, so and that goes I, back. I this part of my personality. I kind of have an authoritarian like approach to fatherhood, and I'm sure that there are many drawbacks to that. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's something that I ha- know about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I'm conscious of it, not to take it too far. Mm-hmm. But you know, I kind of have this attitude of like, well, you will do it because. I said, so. I said so. You know, but and that, I hated that as a kid, and that's maybe why I do it you now. Did. But that, that, that goes into the principle of like you know what what Jesus talks about in the Gospels is like your yes be yes and your no be mean no. Right. And I think that that is so important as parents is to be consistent. And if you say something, it must be carried out. Mm-hmm. If you tell your yeah. son or daughter to come here, or you tell your son or daughter to not do something, and you have to tell them the first time, mm-hmm. and if they don't do it the first time, right. Okay, well, there gonna be, there's going to be consequences because when I say something to you, I mean it, and yeah. it, it, it's not something that I'm just saying to you. I mean it, and you have to you have to obey to that. Yeah. and that's what that is building the virtue of piety within your children. If you don't do that, exactly. it is an unjust yeah. it is an ju- unjust action to your children of, of building a a, a virtue, mm-hmm. the subvirtue of justice. Yeah, and obviously that that plays itself out differently in a two year old. In a in a six year old, you know, absolutely. Like, yeah. And I think, I mean, I it's think not that like, oh, I I told you once, two year old. Now, you know, it's like they're two, they're gonna be two. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But 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 what what I think it, where I think it also applies that gets overlooked a lot are in things like eye rolls or like heavy sighs. Mm-hmm. Um, that because the, like those are disrespect. That's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But, you know, like okay, they might be. He's like, come here. Uh, what are the they thing, might be coming. What but are the things that Pamela says? Promptly, cheerfully. We obey. We obey cheerfully, politely, and promptly. Yeah, and I think the obey what, first time, every time. And when I heard Pamela say that, I was like, yes. Mm-hmm. I like. I'm. I'm. I want that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to do that. Yeah, because uh, it's all three: cheerfully, happily, 
mm-hmm. politely mm-hmm. and promptly. You know, mm-hmm. it's not enough to just do one of the three. Two out right. of, but two out of three ain't bad. No, no, no. We need all three. We need all three every yeah. time. Every time. So, um, you know, this, so that I, I just think that dads, a lot of times, we, we're not willing to, to, to get in through the trenches with their wives. So, yeah. But I think it says a lot to your kids when the dad, when uh, mom says, come over here, and you kind of get the, uh, when the dad says, you don't, you don't speak that way to your you mother. You don't disrespect your mom. You know, then it's like, my wife. Oh, okay. You know, because it's one thing when mom says, don't, don't talk to me that way. But when dad comes in and says, hey, you don't speak to her that way, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, yeah. Right. So the last one that uh, that they talk about in the council of Trent is actually the most important. It says like so these these the two that we've talked about absolutely important, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's it's something that you have to talk about. But it says finally to avoid what is uh, most shameful in the instruction and education is uh, the instruction and education of children. Let them not uh, propose to themselves aims that are unworthy. And so like that's kind of like what you're talking about earlier. You said like I would rather my kid not. Uh, you know, be know anything about math or science, but be a holy person. Mm-hmm. And so, as and 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 I think the, uh, catech- the current catechism two 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 three talks about you know pulls it from the Council of Trent talks about how we are the primary educators of our children. Right. And so I think that it's it's so important that we make sure that we are um, uh, teaching our children the faith. You know, teaching our children to live virtuous lives. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely the most important. It doesn't matter if uh, your, your kid knows, you know, what play to run uh, on second down. Or it doesn't matter, you know... Wh- Obviously the, a drop play, but I mean, whatever. On second down, maybe. But, yeah. uh, you know, to, to, to play the piano or to, to play the guitar or to act or sing or what, whatever the thing is. Those are all great things and right. those are important things in the life. Or even read. Or read. I mean, there. I mean, there. Are, I'm sure are countless saints who never knew how to read, and it didn't. It didn't deter their sanctity, you know. And you know, kind of with that in mind, why do we teach our kids to read if not to read the Bible? You know, uh, that. What what other what better reason is there to read? I mean, like, if you're going to say, well, my kids don't know how to read, what's the biggest drawback of not knowing how to read? There are a lot, a mm-hmm. lot. But not being able to read God's word would have to be the biggest drawback. Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked about this on the show so many times that you can't give what you don't have. And that's, yeah. the, you know, we've talked about with uh, Father Gregory Pine about the uh, virtue of studiousness yeah. and uh, the importance of, as a father, if we're the head of the household, if we're the ones who are the spiritual leaders of our family, then we have to know what battle we're in, what spiritual battle that we are in. We uh-huh. have to know what the what the church teaches. We have to know what the catechism of the Council of Trent talks about. We have to know what the catechism talks about. We have to know what the Bible says in order to teach it to our children. But I think what this is saying not only is to make sure to teach them good things, but to not let them study bad things. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, making sure, like, what kind of television are you allowing them to watch? Uh, you know, how, what how is it? Yeah, what is it? What kind of entertainment are you are you allowing them to have because the, if you think that those things aren't formative then you're wrong right and if they're not being formed by you uh that's dangerous territory right exactly I, I don't want my children being formed by society today no so anyway we'll continue this uh on our youtube channel uh go subscribe to our youtube if you'd like to continue the conversation thank you so much to all of the radio stations that pick us up we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass cheers to jesus
so I think also it's not only is it about um, not only is it about what like what you're saying like what not to teach but also um, how you're even teaching them because even if you're not home like so a lot of times I think a lot of people say like well I don't homeschool well that doesn't matter it doesn't matter you're still the primary educator of your children right even if your children go to public schools charter schools private schools Catholic school Catholic schools like I think that's one of the biggest downfalls for Catholics well, you, today you can't, you can't name a, a situation where you're not the primary, the primary educator right and I was just trying to yeah. drive that point home yeah that you know I think that's one of the problems with uh, Catholicism today is is that we pawn that off to the Catholic school. Oh, well, I, I pay extra for them to go to the Catholic schools to learn the Catholic faith. Right. No, no, no. That should only be a supplement to what they're learning at home. Or, I mean, that. I mean, it's not like, okay, your kids go to Catholic school. Um, it's not like, okay, you're going to be giving them classes, you know, after they get home from school, or, or take out your pen and paper, now we're going to be taking notes. But, it, you know, so like the primary educator... To me, the way I the way I interpret that doesn't necessarily mean that you're maybe physically educating them, but that you are in charge of their education. You know that you take responsibility for their education. Okay, and so like I send you to school, I I as your primary educator have decided the best way for our family to educate you. To give mm-hmm. you this education so that you might be a well-formed person is to send you to this school. Um, and so that's what we're doing. And I'm the one who makes that decision. I send you there. I take responsibility for that education. You know, and I, like you as the parent can never say, well, the school taught them taught this right. or didn't teach them this. Well, I think you I- need to be the one who's who's monitoring that you know so it's not like you're always i think that term gets thrown around it kind of gets mis misconstrued sometimes mm-hmm. you know because obviously you're not teaching them classes on saturdays and i mean maybe right. you are but not more than what they're getting at school no but i think it all but i think the underlying principles have to be there i think that the, the important thing is is like that you're forming their appetites that you're teaching them the true the good and the beautiful sure. not right. necessarily you know i'm i'm teaching them it's not all academic it's not all academic or academic you know but that that they the humanity part of it is un, they understand right. that uh, i am supposed to be a virtuous person mm-hmm. that i'm called to live a saintly life that uh, i am being formed in the virtue of piety and respecting my my parents right because you cannot get a work ethic from a school I mean, right. you, I mean, just look around to go to any class in the school, and inside that class, some you will have children of vi- wide ranges of work ethic. Some don't turn their homework in, and mm-hmm. and they don't care. Care. Why? Right. Because parents aren't enforcing it at home. Right. You know. But, but what what's amazing is that these aren't new techniques. These are not something that is new. The Council of Trent was talking about this uh, 500 years ago. Sure. You know, so like uh, we're we're dealing with the same problems or the same things that we have to contend with today that people 500 years ago were dealing with. Yeah. I mean, there are different things about raising kids now than there were 500 years ago. But the but sure I mean they're really just um, principle. Yeah, I mean it's like okay, well, when do you you know like how old should your kid be before you give him an iPad? You know, like right. it's that kind of stuff. From ages zero to five, it's exactly the same mm-hmm. as it always has been. Mm-hmm. 
There was like a weird period in the 60s and 70s when uh, mothers stopped breastfeeding, uh, but that went away. And, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. things are still the same as they always have been. I just think it's important to remember as, as dads, you know, that our first vacation is to our wives. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we are disciplining our children and not being the good old fun dad, the, the secular comedy dad that you see on TV. Right. Um, and that your your children know that you take your faith seriously, and that they know, they know that we're in we're in a we're in a, a battle. We're in a, a spiritual warfare, and um, we have to we have to build a virtuous life. We have to live a virtuous life. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something that you have to facilitate gradually. And the only way uh, to do that, you know, like the first principle is like the only way to apply justice is to be a just you know, a just person, you know, to, to live the virtuous life yourself. Right. You know, and I think that that's the, 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 the double side of the coin, the mercy and justice has to be played as a parent you know, because we're supposed to reflect God, our Father, like He, you know, mercy and justice is on either side. But yeah. you can't do that unless you yourself are a virtuous person who are who have your appetites under control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And you know, we've said the best gift you can give your parent, give your children, is to love their wife or love their mother. The second best gift you can give your children is another sibling. Um, this is it's like, like a Mother Teresa quote or something like that. No, Saint, just Saint Teresa. That's according to David Niles. Oh, um, sometimes Saint Teresa, uh, she's, Mother Teresa. She's also she steals my stuff. Yeah, she does steal your stuff you know? sometimes. But yeah. I'm sure I'm sure other people have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that is also my opinion. Um, and it's something that gets lost, I think, in the in the conversation about oh how to be a good parent. Well, parent more mm-hmm. um, because. There are studies that prove this. I can't give you any of them at, off the top of my head, but you know, you don't need studies to know this. That single, um, you know, like only children tend to be more spoiled. You know, that's and that's not that. Oh, if you have only had, if you only have one child, you're spoiling them. And no, it's just kind of a natural consequence. You know, it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. Right. You know, but they get they get all this attention all the time. I mean, it's just right. kind of the way it goes. They. You know, like, I just don't want to offend anybody who has only one child who, you know, obviously those, I mean, like, okay, Juan's wife, she was an only child, phenomenal person. Saintly woman. Saintly woman, right? Sure. So, uh, but if you have more children, uh, there's all kinds of proof that shows that those those children grow up to be like... And you you get better. More well-formed. And it gets easier. Yeah. You get better at parenting, it gets easier... Uh, because because you can make your kids do some of the work, right? Because your kids your kids now teach your other kids, right? Uh, which is so important. Like that 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 is getting a, the first one right. The first kid, like, because they set the tone, right? No, among that, the that, other that kids, is not, that is not a, a that is a real thing. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, because if you can get you know you set the tone or you set the bar with your first kid, then mm-hmm. that kid is trying to hit that bar and hit that stride and. He's one teaching. He or she is one teaching all the other siblings. Right. This is where we're supposed to go. This is where we're supposed to hit. Yeah, and I think that's why oldest children complain that oh, they was so much harder on me. Well, maybe it was. I mean, you and I are both the oldest, mm-hmm. the oldest kid in our family, and I think that, well, yeah, 
maybe you are harder on the oldest. I mean, I I know that I tell Elizabeth, my oldest, all the time, like, hey, look, you're the oldest. I expect the most out of you. Right. You know, you have to if, set the if, example. If Mary had done what you, or if uh, Bernadette had done what you just did, I wouldn't be that upset because she's only two. You know, right. but you're five, and right. So I expect more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with more freedom comes more responsibility. Yeah. Ooh. You should write that down. People steal some of my stuff as well. You're not the only person. Dude, doesn't that make you mad? It's frustrating. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I have. Juan, are you good with that? Do you do you hate you hate all this stuff? No, it's good. Did you find somebody when Juan else? Says, when Juan yeah. says in this inflection, he goes, No, it's good. That's what he says. When he does that, he's like, Ah, it's all right. Like that 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 is his like trying not to be upset with us. Or, not, or like, no, I don't think that's I don't think that was like it's like, no, it's good. Trying to cover I think it's just like, like yeah, it's good. Yeah. That that response to me is him saying, like, yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's not his response of, that was the best episode. No. But well, it was like, it was it was just fine. He told the world that Joan was a saint, so this is going to be the greatest episode. Yeah. Did you find a quote that says about the, the sibling? So he's attributed to John Paul II, St. John Paul II. What did he say? That, but he's being fact-checked and... It, yeah. But he has a bunch of there's a bunch of quotes with his face on it. The greatest gift you can give your child is another sibling. That's what supposedly he said. Yeah. Well, I think that's wrong. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he didn't say that. Uh but the council the catechism of the council of Trent is something you guys yeah. should definitely check out. Yeah. It is it is really really and good. If you have a verbum library and you don't have uh, this in yeah. your verbum library, like this like this book this is like I've, verbum. I have pulled like main hardcore verbum material right here. I've pulled a lot of stuff from this. Right, because when you're doing research, like this, it's this is a reference. Big, t- I mean, it's like the catechism. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're sitting down with it on a Tuesday afternoon with your cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could. It's also very beautiful, actually. This book is is written uh, in a beautiful way. You know, it's old school. Go check it out. All right, I'm done. <laughs>